Stone. You're tuned into the Jewel Riders Archive. Hey, Jewel fans, this is Chris. And this is Ronnie. From the Jewel Riders Archive. We're here today with a really special interview for you guys. We have the three queens of Jewel Riders fandom here with us. As I said, they are the three distinguished ladies of the Jewel Riders fandom. We really wanted to have a conversation with all three of them for a long time because this represents a lot of fandom memory and history for our very tiny corner of fandom. Mm -hmm. And we could not be more excited to have uh, Stormy, the founder of the Avalon website, here with us. And we have Natalie, who is also known as Morning Glory on the Avalon website, a great fan artist and writer. (laughs) And we also have, also from Avalon, but also from the Jewel Writers Live Journal, we have Lisa. Hi. So we can't thank you guys enough for joining us today. And we're so excited to have you. Um, We really wanted to start with a question of what are your earliest and or most vivid memories of Jewel Riders? Let's start with you, Stormy. And if you can give us a brief history also just of, you know, your own personal self as well. My own personal self? That's a a lot of history. (laughs) (laughs) Well, your personal self as it relates to Jewel Riders. So just a brief overview of, you know, who you are and we'll go from there. My personal self, I love magical things. I love shiny things. I love witchy things. It's just always been what appealed to me. My first memory of Jewel Riders fandom was seeing the toy catalog, Toys R Us or whatever it was. Okay, so where did you find that catalog for the first time? It came in the mail. Remember back before modern days of everything on the internet? Catalogs came in the mail, and they had pictures of pretty things. And so I think this was Toys R Us, and it had these pink things and unicorns. And that was everything I like. So I made my mother take me to Toys R Us so I could buy some. (laughs) And that's a fun memory. But I, I do have a question regarding that. Did you sign up for the catalog prior? So, like, whenever it would come, like, was it a monthly thing? Was it a yearly thing? Like, how far in advance also had you seen the advertisement for Jewel Riders? Was this something that you had seen maybe, you know, when it was already available? Or was it like a pre-production kind of advertisement? It was already available, and it was just the random, I hadn't signed up for a catalog. It was just, I think it, maybe it was the Christmas one. You'd get a big Christmas one every well, the, year. The big Toys R Us Christmas book. Yeah, the big Toys R Us Christmas book. I think that's what it was. Okay. And probably 1995 was, I think, the year Jewel Riders started. Yes. So that's when it would have been, I think. And it also had the, the free song of the Rainbow VHS. When you bought a doll, so I wanted that. So I made my mother. I, I, I was too shy to ask the nice people at Toys R Us for my video, so I made my mother do it. You know, and we do get questions about the advertisement and the promotion of that. Um, did they just have it like behind the register? Did the employees know about the promotion? What um. You know, like, was it something, do you remember, like, when you went up, they're like, oh, you get a free VHS, or was it available 
like in the doll aisle next to the dolls, like where you just picked it up and took it in and then they gave it to you? How did they award you with your free VHS? It was not next to the dolls. Um, it was we had to find a person and ask him. And then I think he had to go in the back and maybe look for it. I, I'm not sure he even knew the promotion was going on. I think we had to tell him, oh, we saw this in a catalog. Can you find it? And he went in the back and found it. This all sounds a little backdoor sketch to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, especially coming from retail, I can totally understand where if an employee doesn't necessarily know about a promotion or wasn't aware of it. But I think that it's funny also, though, that, you know, the marketing obviously worked because you saw it and you wanted it. But. You know, I feel like giveaways and things like that aren't as prominent any longer. But was it truly the fact that there was the VHS promo that made you want that toy even more? Or would you have wanted the toys anyway? I would have wanted the toys anyway because they they were so shiny. Mm. <laughs> now, did you ever collect things like She-Ra or Golden Girl or um, Lady Lovely Locks, things like that before Jewel Riders? I never collected any of the others. I had, I think, two Lady Lovely Locks dolls and one of their little lily pad critters. I think at the time, I mostly collected not Barbie dolls, but I liked their stuff. I like miniatures as well as toys. Oh, and Moon Dreamers. I really like Moon Dreamers. Um, yeah, Moon those... Dreamers. Oh, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> 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 Natalie. Yes. Now, which of the toys did you get as your first introduction to Jewel Riders? I think I got the deluxe ones. I think I got Gwen first, and then I think I got Tamara that Christmas because I wanted the other two, so I put them on my Christmas list. But I think I bought the deluxe Gwen as my first toy at Toys R Us that day. Okay, and then you got the the VHS. Now, I have seen also in photos the toys had the promotional sticker on it. Do you remember if that one had a sticker on it, or did you just go off of what you saw in the advertisement? I don't remember. I just remember seeing the advertisement. Mm. Ronnie's memory for those kind of things is always much more deep than anyone else's. Well, do you remember a sticker on a box in 1995? <laughs> but again, you know, and that's the whole reason why I enjoy marketing and advertising is because, as Chris loves to mention, it's the memories of the marketing that stick with me. So whether it was Jewel Riders or Barbie or Disney, it was the memory of the merchandise that was available for sale after that you took home. And that's truly the way that you relive the property. Um, I was up at PowerCon recently and I met with the founder of Super 7 and he was speaking to me about the fact that the time we spent with the toys was really the moments that we remember the most or the most vividly. Well, yeah, in the in the years before YouTube made everything available all the time to everyone, you relived the stories with your toys. So there's such an important part to childhood development and memory formation is you know playing with toys and it's it's something that's very different i think for children today Mm -hmm. and actually speaking of that i know that when chris and i were younger we way before legos ever cross-branded we pretended like they were jewel writers yes we made our very own (laughs) jewel writer legos out of whatever (laughs) random castle parts we could find right (laughs) did you guys ever do that as well like did you use other toys to make them into jewel writers uh, 
uh, uh, is this a group discussion? Yeah, yeah, of yeah. course. <laughs> um, I, I had, I, I definitely collected My Little Ponies when I was little. I, I was born a little bit after the She-Ra movement, but I loved watching She-Ra on TV. But um, I had a ton of My Little Ponies, which are still at my mom and dad's house. Oh. Anyway, yes, I. Well, this. I was introduced to the uh, show before the toys myself. So I actually had the there. There was a My Little Pony named Moon Dancer. Yes, I, I actually bought the reproduction of that recently because I couldn't help myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that so, I saw that one at PowerCon recently, too. Yes, so it was a one of the original unicorns of the My Little Pony series was Moon Dancer, and she had purple and pink hair, and she had a baby Moon Dancer, so of course I had both of those. So I would kind of um, reenact some Jewel Rider stuff with those. Now, they never seemed to have any winged unicorns in the My Little Pony section. So one of the Pegasus unicorns. Yes, they never put them together. I I, I looked for them. Do you remember like being a child and not realizing toys are limited? Like there are only a limited number of shapes of My Little Pony and you would like look through them waiting to see (laughs) oh, there might be a winged unicorn in the next aisle back, you know? Exactly. Or you can add wings to it. You can, there's there's Uh a unicorn, you can put wings on, but there never was anything like that. But I guess as a child and, you know, knowing some child psychology because I have a teaching degree. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I don't kids didn't care you can pretend that the unicorn had wings whether or not it had wings or not <laughs> so, <laughs> you know it's like fun part of that and toys are supposed to help children's imaginations grow exactly and which they did i mean yes. i don't know lisa did you ever utilize any of your toys to pretend like they were jewel riders or were you just happy having the jewel riders i mean i had all the Jewel Riders dolls, so I never really needed to do that. Um, I know I created, like, a fanfic universe where my friends and I were Jewel Riders, and I used to write little scripts about us, like, being kind of mini Jewel Riders and hanging out with Princess Guinevere and her friends, but when it came to the toys, I just used the Jewel Rider dolls. Now, I think I want to hear more about this. (laughs) Tell me more. Very early self-insert fan fiction. Yeah, basically. I mean, I would never do that anymore but as a kid it seemed like the coolest thing ever um basically like I led a team with myself and my two friends I remember who one of them was I don't remember who the other one was but I had the white rose stone and then one of my friends had the diamond stone and then I think there was a third one maybe it was the two of us I'm not sure but I just, like, wrote little stories about us, like, hanging out with Princess Guinevere and her friends and just joining them on their adventures with our own Enchanted Jewels. That's so fun. And actually, speaking of Enchanted Jewels, I, I think that that was always a point of missed opportunity by the creators of the toys, the fact that there was never jewels available. Yeah, there wasn't any role-play toys for children. Which... It just seems like the most obvious yeah. thing. Yeah, so, I, I feel like all of us 
had our own though. I mean, I don't know if that's true for all of you, but like, I know that was definitely the first thing I wanted. And when I was a kid, I was really into making um, things out of poster board. For some reason, my parents just had like a pile of poster board in a room. Like they didn't really do arts and crafts, so I don't know why they had it, but I was always <laughs> cutting it into different shapes and coloring it in with magic marker. So one of the first things I did with it was make the sunstone, heartstone and moonstone. And I put a little piece of Velcro on the back and then I had a belt that I would put the opposite type of Velcro on so I would stick it to myself like the jewel riders did and just remove it and hold it up and put it back on in the absence of magic sticking to cloth we can always use the magic of velcro that's so ingenious magic right (laughs) well and obviously stormy I know that you make the jewels as well was that something that you were making during the show like was that for you for memorabilia or was that something that you created afterwards that was something that I created afterwards. The jewels I've made are made out of resin, which I didn't start doing resin crafting until a year or two ago. During the time of the show, I had a glass, like a, a glass blob, like a paperweight or something that was my enchanted jewel substitute. <laughs> but <laughs> by the time the show came out, by the time the show came out, I was old enough that I wasn't playing with toys quite so much. I was more kind of, instead of moving the dolls around, I would just move them all around in my head and then write about it. So I was sort of at the point where play turns into story writing. And so I didn't do a whole lot of actual physical playing at the time. Mm. And then Natalie, did you create jewels for yourself? Well, I believe it or not, I didn't. I would draw them on paper for sure, because you know I I like to draw even still. But I <laughs> I have kind of a totally different experience with all that, because kind of like Stormy, I kind of I discovered it a little bit after it first came out, and I actually didn't. I had discovered the show first by accident. Yeah, tell us tell us a little bit more about that. Okay, so you know it would always come, and they put it. I don't know why they never put it on on a regular time. And and and, you know, living in southeastern Ohio, kind of on a on top of a hill, on top of a mountain. Um, I don't know whether they just, but they put it on Sunday morning at some crazy ungodly hour, like seven o'clock. Or maybe it might have been between seven and eight. It was along with the Amazing Adventures. We, we all yeah, that. that's very similar um, to how it was here in California. It was. Okay. Then, I believe then, it was at like eight o'clock or something like that. Yeah. yeah. You had like to be that. up early with your cereal. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and um, in, in any case, it was always on a Sunday morning. And um, just being from where I am and growing up in the family I did, I, I would go to go to church every Sunday with my dad, which now I love for the musical experience. So anyway, but I would I I woke up a little earlier that morning and went down and turned on the TV and it, it was on Fox and I saw these unicorns and I was like, what is this? <laughs> so, <laughs> so dramatically too. And it was the, um, let me remember which episode. Cause I didn't catch it from the beginning. I caught it closer to the end. It was the, I want to say it was the badlands episode. Mm. Okay. That's, that's a very interesting one to start out on. Yeah. So it was kind of like, 
And but I saw the flying unicorn and I saw the other unicorn and these girls jumping around with these magic. And I thought, I love this <laughs> right from oh. the beginning. <laughs> now, because it was Badlands, though, did that necessarily resonate with you as far as like a favorite character goes because it was a Fallon centered episode? I, I personally, I always loved Fallon and Tamara more than Guinevere and I, I guess maybe because I could I could more I could probably more relate with those two because I was never really in the popular uh, club at school you know <laughs> so and Gwen seems like she kind of resonated with you know that kind of crowd so, right she is she is the popular pretty right. princess stereotype no, right the princesses so i i always resonated more and probably a little bit more with fallon and i was never really athletic but i always um i grew up with horses and i used to in 4-h for 12 years i showed horses so that was kind of my jewel riders play it's not necessarily with the dolls but I, I had an Appaloosa pepper and he was my unicorn. <laughs> essentially. <laughs> now, so, did you and pepper go on adventures? Like, did you oh, go searching for jewels or what oh, did you do? Yes. Well, we would go <laughs> Tell me more. searching. <laughs> I, um, I grew well where, um, where I grew up on in my later, uh, later childhood and all through the rest of life. Um, I grew up on a hill and with a big horse field and lots of trails and lots of them were made by deer and um one of them was made by some of the neighbors had a four-wheeler path where they would go and probably go hunting back in the back but i got permission from the neighbors right down the road and they said you know if you're riding your horse we're definitely not going to be up there Mm -hmm. so i would practice what I needed to practice for showing the horse. And then mom's like, okay, well, you know, here's your watch and just be back by this time or we'll come out looking for you. And (laughs) uh, yeah. So anyway, so I would ride all these, all the trails back there. At first I had a, um, she's, she was a quarter pony, which is not a Shetland. It's between a Shetland and a quarter horse. So she was the perfect size for a child to learn how to ride a horse on. And I had her, and her name was Stardust. So, that is adorable. Oh, my gosh. And I, I made up stories about her because she had right on the middle of her head, you know how horses have blazes or stars or different little white marks? She right. had a perfect diamond shape right in the middle of her eyes. And I said, if Dusty, which we called her Dusty, if Dusty was a unicorn, she had to have been a unicorn at some point because that's where her horn was. Oh, <laughs> so, and I would draw pictures of her and I, her with her horn and pretending that the, something happened to the horn and the horn fell off or whatever. And um, my my cousin Jordan and I were both very. He was about a year older than me, and we were. He never. I don't know if he ever knew about the jewel riders, but if he does at this point, he would have loved them too. Well, I think it's time <laughs> but, for you to spread the good word. Of jewel riders I to him. Should. I should definitely <laughs> tell him. He, uh, I, I think he's in Seattle now, so he's kind of closer to you guys. But anyway, we made up these stories of unicorns. This is even before jewel riders, but how we grew up around horses and how they had the white marks on their head, like a blaze or a star or like a little fleck. 
and that's where their horn used to be, and it depended on how their horn uh, disappeared as they evolved, I guess. Mm-hmm. Does that it's make so, sense? No, perfectly. <laughs> and, you know, I love the fact that jewel writers went outside of just the realm of playing with toys. Like how oh, yeah. I mentioned, you know, with Chris and I, how we would turn other toys into jewel writers, but we did the same thing, you know, role playing. I, I can vividly remember going around my apartment complex that I lived in at the time and we were riding bikes and we pretended like the bikes were the horses uh-huh. and we were on an adventure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and what we would also do is we would pretend like we were questing after jewels and they would be the rocks. Like I remember this particular apartment complex that we lived in had a fountain and little stream mm-hmm. and so for me when i played with with chris and also just by myself i would take my bike out and i would pretend like i was adventuring and i would find these rocks in this riverbed and pretend like they were magical jewels and <laughs> that they contained you know magical properties and and so the the bike was my horse i, I was never you know, I, I was never lucky enough to have a real possible unicorn or a yeah. horse or anything like that. So well. I have my mechanical one. No, I think that's it's so exactly. funny. You, <laughs> Natalie, you're mentioning, you know, yeah. the, the horses, because there's a series of books called The Unicorns of Balinor. That's a very similar kind of story. Yeah. Where, you know, a horse that was a unicorn in another world comes to our world, loses his horn. And... You know, and it was written by one of the writers of Jewel Riders. Yes. And um, I know we just did a review of it on the archive, and Lisa has also done a review of it on the Princess blog. Yeah. Yeah, thanks and for telling me about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, I've never, I've, I had never heard of that until I saw your site, and I thought, this would be a cool series for me to read. I, I'll admit I'm not the biggest reader. I was always, I would always write, and I was always like, I, I, I guess I was a creator that way. <laughs> I would, I would write fanfic and never finish it. <laughs> and uh, I know, I know. The, I the know fate of happened, most but, fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> know. But and then I would create characters and draw them. I guess that's, I was more that instead of reading. But I loved reading. I. I did read all of Stormy's fanfic, and Lisa, I read all of yours too. So that's saying something <laughs> for me. Oh, thank you. That's a little embarrassing now. <laughs> oh no! Oh Lord! No, don't worry. <laughs> well, you know, and speaking of reshared fan fiction, I mean, obviously the archive is the perfect place to, as the name implies, archive fan fiction, but. There's such an amazing wealth of stories and old fiction, but Lisa, kind of as you mentioned, it's it's so fun to take a ride in this time capsule and go back and read stories. But how do you feel about that sometimes with the old work being published? I mean, I saw, I think, a Christmas story that you posted from me once about Jewel Riders on your archive, and I didn't even remember writing it. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was really weird, like, reading it, because it was like looking at it through a lens of unfamiliarity, but then some of it was like, that sounds like an idea I might come up with. And then I was like, well, I guess I did come up with it, because <laughs> apparently I wrote this, like, years and years and years ago. How funny. It's always it's always been like a little bit of a sadness for me that there's so many unfinished pieces of Jewel Riders fan fiction from the Avalon website. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was like, oh, I wish I wish I knew how they all ended. Right. <laughs> 
Now, we're going to get into more of the founding of the Avalon website. Um, I know, Stormy, you were sharing your memories and how you first got involved um, with the toys. Now, I, since Natalie brought it up, though, Stormy, what was the first actual episode that you saw of Jewel Riders? And, and because you had the toys, did you sit there and play along with it or did you just watch the show or how did that kind of go? The first episode I watched was the Song of the Rainbow from that VHS. And then I think I got the other official VHSs. So after Song of the Rainbow, I would have seen the Jewel Quest. And then at some point I got all of the rest. I don't remember how or when. Because I know some of them I think I got from Lisa. And some of them I also remember setting the VCR to record at some ungodly hour on Sunday morning. So I oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I did eventually see them all. But I didn't play along. I think I was mostly there to collect the lore because I could see this was a show with a whole lot of what we now would call world building. It didn't I didn't know the name of that then, but it was like there are all these facts and they're wonderful. And I want to learn every detail about this world because I like it. I felt so you know that's funny. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Uh, sorry, I was saying I felt the same way about it. I think it just pulls you in. Mm-hmm. I think so much of that comes down to the information that was presented on the trading cards. Yeah. Little yeah. morsels of background information that if you are writerly inclined, opens up whole new worlds. And of course, now, you know, now that we actually have a copy of the show Bible, you can see where so many of those pieces came from. Well, and also to go back from a marketing perspective, probably someone was handed that and like, okay, create merchandise from it. Because sometimes you read things in the cards, you're like, nowhere in the show is that ever mentioned or like that has nothing to do with anything. (laughs) Or as as Lisa loves to point out, the fact on the the Fallon sticker, there is the kale image. So, you know, again, someone who's creating this probably had no idea, but it is fun. And I think that having something like the trading cards was such a value added asset because as children, we would also create maps or we would create, you know, little stories centered around the additional information. So as you mentioned, that was something that was hugely, hugely successful with us was the world building aspect of the show. And that map, especially, I think, from oh. the trading cards was yeah. what, a, yeah. what a gift to a fan fiction writer. Can right. I interject yeah. something crazy for it real fast? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> OK, so um, I kind of in, in a similar fashion to Stormy, I, I don't think I discovered the show or anything in 1995. Because thinking back now, I would have been in uh, probably like fourth or fifth grade at that point, and I probably would have had even more of a love of it. (laughs) But um, (laughs) I found it a little bit later. I feel like I was going into the sixth grade, early junior high, early middle school. Um, Okay. So it had already been on for a little bit, but um, I remember like the one and only art class I ever took was in seventh grade and i think everything i ever made in art class was somehow jewel rider centric (laughs) (laughs) i wish i still i I, and some of that stuff may still be at home at mom and dad's but i made them that one of the projects was making a map and i made a map of avalon with the crystal palace i swear i did (laughs) it was oh my god i know you need to share them 
just oh, I mean, oh, that's I, I wish I could find it. <laughs> I mean, you know, schoolwork seems to be the easiest outlet to try to put your love to, you know, whether it's to the test or to showcase it. Right. I, I have memories myself of, yeah. and actually I just found it. We had a poetry project where we had to create a poster board filled with poetry. And, you know, looking back at it, I can't believe I did this, but <laughs> I sat up and all throughout the night, I did sketches from the cards of the background images and I drew them on this paper. And then crazily, the original artwork I put in the printer and printed the poetry on it. And my mom just gave me the original. So the originals have this poetry printed on it. But this artwork is amazing, if I do say so myself. Uh, Well, I want to see it because I haven't seen it I'm going to be posting this. But these sketches are amazing, at least in my opinion. I mean, they are amazing. They really are. I know I don't often show my artwork, but I mean, I myself am an artist too. I think that most of my art can just be seen on the site like the logo and other digital you know artwork and things like that that's good yeah but you know uh, so obviously that's examples of your homework but i don't know i mean did anyone else do like schoolwork and kind of it was infused with jewel writers or had jewels on assignments or anything like that radio silence (laughs) (laughs) i guess not i guess i'm alone I, I remember being <laughs> I think I was too young at the time to like get assignments where we were allowed to be creative like that. Because um, I didn't really get assignments where we could just put our own spin on it until maybe I was in high school or middle school, and that was after Jewel Riders had passed. Because I remember getting an assignment, I think, in high school where we had to write. Ooh, Uh, like a creative project and so I did a book of poetry on Final Fantasy inspired poems because that was after my Joel Riders obsession was over but if I was obsessed with Joel Riders at that time I probably would have done something Joel Riders related yeah I mean I think most of my stuff for Joel Riders was written in the margins of a piece of lined binder paper there you go I even have memories of we were supposed to have name tags on our desks and Chris had created, uh, it was actually a Tanko and the Guardians of the Magic inspired <gasps> name card. Yes, but I remember we, had, we also <laughs> had other like, you know, jewel stuff. And I remember on assignments, it, not only was it, you know, sprinkled with Disney pixie dust, but there were often jewel writer, you know, little jewels or something drawn on the binder paper of the assignment. But, you know, I guess yeah. any outlet to try to. <laughs> I wonder what I wonder what our teachers thought of. Every single one of those pieces of paper having something drawn on it. Right. Right. Had jewel writers or Ariel or something drawn on it. Yeah, I do yeah. remember like doodling the enchanted jewels a lot on pretty much yeah. everything. I, yeah. I still can't draw a sunstone that's not a mess after oh, all these years. It's so easy. It's just a circle and then it's a square and then a turn sideways square. <laughs> that's all it is. Um, you know, actually, and, and before we move on, when I was talking about, you know, making your own jewels, um, was there, if there was a role play toy, what would you have wanted? Like, I mean, I, I was just recently at a toy con and I looked at a Power Rangers morpher. And for me, that was like the ultimate in role play toy. So yeah. if it was a jewel, like what would you have wanted the jewel to do? Would you have wanted to light up, make sounds? What would you have wanted from a role play toy? Let, well, let's go around. Let's start with Stormy. 
you know, I I kind of don't like electronics in toys. I like toys that are just sort of solid so that the only because, you know, it's like the details or having to push a button like reminds you that it's a mundane electronics and it's not really magical. So I would have wanted a jewel that was like just a clear plastic, solid, kind of undamageable. You could stick it in the water if you wanted to kind of jewel. That would have been the best for me. Okay. And obviously you've seen the photos of the prototypes of the jewels that they were going to create. I have. And they were cool. They would not. They were not. They're not perfect. They're not the perfect thing. But they would Every have Every jewel too. is a circle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. It's not right. They should have. They should have been better than that. <laughs> okay. But still, having those would certainly have been better than having none. Definitely. Right. Right. <laughs> and Natalie, the question goes to you. Sure. Um, I actually, I really liked the idea of the Jewel Rider toys where they used actual just light, sunlight, to light you mean things the, up. The light pipe. You're talking about the light piping feature. Yes, yes. So you didn't have to worry about putting batteries or like Stormy said, if you wanted to put it in the water, you could and it wouldn't ruin it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, if if there was a for role playing an, an enchanted jewel line, I actually I mean, if they light up, that would be cool. But the fact that they could light up with just using regular light Mm-hmm. and not anything electronic that would be even more special i feel like because to me that that's still that still has that illusion of still being magical and not having to push a button or put a battery in it and <laughs> you know <laughs> watch as it's corroded 15 years later well that's right, exactly what exactly. happened with those prototypes <laughs> yes yes um, okay so and something Lisa? like that yeah, as long as they look like the ones from the show, I don't really mind if they do something or if they don't do something. Like, it would be cool if they could light up and play the theme song if you press the button oh, on the back. Oh, a musical but, element. I like that. That would have been yes. fun. Yeah, I, I, I probably a, did just a rather a sound effect, like a or something. A swish, yeah. yeah. I have a Sailor Moon wand. Um, it's actually not Sailor Moon's wand. It's actually Chibi Moon's wand. Um, and when you press the button on it, the, the heart blinks and it plays her transformation song. But that actually did get corroded, like what oh. you were saying. And now when you press the button, nothing happens. And I tried changing the battery and it still doesn't work. But it's still pretty. It's still right. a nice display piece. And I feel like if they made Enchanted Jewels that that did things like that, but then they got corroded, it wouldn't matter as long as they look like the jewels, because then you could still display them and you could still play with them, and that's just, like, an added bonus. Um, But the ones that they made prototypes for didn't even fit those qualifications. No, as a a child, I was obsessed with show accuracy. Anything that wasn't (laughs) accurate always bugged me a great deal. (laughs) So, you know, it happened it's just like if they had made jewels, I think I would have been great if they would have been like basically a glass paperweight. <laughs> <laughs> and with, you know, and like imagination could have supplied the rest. Heavy like a real one would. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Oh, the right. thing that always bothered me, I didn't, I didn't understand why they gave Fallon, the deluxe Fallon princess version, a dragon. Because that was one episode. And it wasn't really all that significant. (laughs) 
I think you know it's I mean? set up the show Bible because I, I actually recently reread the series Bible in preparation for this, and no? I saw that Ooh, that dragon was supposed to be like her animal companion, as in addition to Moondance. But then they didn't end up using it like that, and they might have designed the doll before they scrapped Wendy as her permanent companion and just wrote him into one episode for the sake of making the doll make sense. That's true. That's true. Yeah. You know, I this actually goes back to season three. Oh, about the season maybe, three? Maybe if there had been a season three, they would have done a thing where each of the girls got a small, cute animal companion in addition to their unicorn mount. And that way, you know, new characters, new magical bonding, and new toys of cute animals. That reminds me of the Winx Pixies. Yes, I was just thinking of that, too. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I wonder if the dragon, as as an element, goes back to the show's very, very earliest version as an adaptation of Anne McCaffrey's Dragon Riders of Pern. And in each of... In in those books, they all have these very small... um, I wish I remembered the names of the little dragons that they have. Fire lizards. Fire lizards. Thank you. Yes. Someone's read the book. I, yeah, there you go. I'm actually looking at all my copies of them right now. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, there they are. I, I should actually read those again. <laughs> those are nice hardbound books. Well, I had the paperback versions, although I never read them because the size as a child, I was not much of a reader. So to have these giant books was very daunting to me and i I never completely read them i started but you um, gave them to me and i devoured the rest of them and the rest is history (laughs) so there you go um so just to pull things back um i wanted to get a little history so stormy you founded avalon in what year i don't remember (laughs) uh what, yeah, was I, 1998? That's what I thought. I thought it was 1998. Okay. Yes, it, it, it was much later than the date that the show came to America, which surprised me when I looked it up to tell you guys on the site. So it certainly could have been 98. Well, it came first to America, and then it went to Europe afterwards. Yeah, okay, so we're we're talking about 1998 and the fandom of jewel riders at that point um can you tell us a little bit can you each of us tell each of us sorry a little bit about your interaction with that fandom and how you first met people there and met each other originally uh, let's stormy let's start with you um you know my memories are so jumbled i couldn't tell you what happened what year or what happened before or after anything else I remember that I started Avalon because there weren't any other really good big websites. I think there were some small, you know, websites like these are cartoons I like. Here is a small page about jewel writers, but there yes. was no big sure. central site with a lot of pictures. Very so, GeoCities style one oh, yes. web page, <laughs> uh, you know, Tons of ads, a guest yeah. book and a guest <laughs> counter. Yes. <laughs> Avalon had a guest counter. I remember that. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> that Stormy, did you know about the Amazing Adventure site? Because kind of similar to that, you know, it had a single page about the show, but it also had like an episode guide and it had a listing of the upcoming episodes and things like that. Did you know about that? Yes. Yes, I did. Did you look but, to uh, it for inspiration? 
I think so. Yes. I think it, the only problem with the Amazing Adventure site was that it it had no back and forth. You couldn't talk back and post your own stuff. So it wasn't a social site, and we needed a social site. Right. So that was really the basis of your desire to f- launch Avalon, basically, was a place that people could host and talk to one another. Well, the basis of my idea at the time, because I was a teenager, was that I wanted to become a internet famous queen of fandom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, big fish in small pond. <laughs> yes, I wanted to be a big fish in a small pond. I saw these people with really cool Sailor Moon sights, but there's a lot of fish in that pond, so dang it, I need a small pond I can get in. <laughs> <laughs> not, better not start. That's what it was. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about how you found it. Like, did you, did, was Avalon an obvious choice for a name? What was the thinking behind it? How about like the, you know, the color scheme? How did you launch it? Like, do you remember any of that stuff? Like when you launched it, like even if it was just month wise, like was it close to Christmas? Was it in the summer? Like, and how many hours did you devote to kind of creating it? Yeah, I don't really remember very much. Um, I assume I just went looking for web page backgrounds. And, you know, you could back in the day, you could there were just sites full of them. Click here for a million web page backgrounds. And I found the one that looked like Wild Magic. And so that was the one we were going to go with. And of course, yes, I remember that background. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Yes. I still have it in a file. You guys want it? <laughs> <laughs> well, we. <laughs> Well, we have the Avalon using the Wayback Machine. That's the version that we selected was the one with that kind of wild magic background to it. Um, And as for the name, yes, Avalon was the only name it could possibly have been. Was that because it was more or less the realm, the land or what what was kind of the thinking behind it? It was this this page is going to be the land of jewel riders. You know, that's the only thing you call it. Okay. And how many hours would you say that you devoted to trying to like create it first? And then how many hours do you think that you um, devoted to maintaining it? Probably not as many as a nice professional web page designer should have. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, I know I spent a lot of time on the internet in the evenings, but I, I don't really remember much of the work. Okay. And, um, you know, Chris and I preparing for this discussion, we were talking a little bit about Avalon and our memories of it. And the one thing that I do personally remember is that you did have a nice archive of this is the information that's included in the cards. This is the information of toys that I found. And as children, I personally did not know about the Amazing Adventure site. So I did not know that it was in existence. I don't know. Chris, did you know? You know, I think I had found it probably as a link through Stormy's site. Okay. But for me, I've always loved canon material. So Avalon was also a location that you could find non-canon, like fan fiction, fan art. And it was a wonderful way of engaging with the fandom. So, Stormy, did you have an immediate, you know, latching on? I mean, obviously, this is before the age of social media, so it's not like you could promote for free your website. So how did you go about interacting with people? Did they just find you? Like, how did that go about? (laughs) I think people just found me. If the um, internet search gods huh. smiled on you, you could find what you wanted. Isn't that great? <laughs> I may have been on a web ring. Do you remember web rings? 
Yes. I think it was yeah. a ring, and I think one or two of the people who may have had other Jewel Riders content might have linked to me, but I think mostly just Google directed people there. And then they would email me or they would show up in the chat room. Avalon had a chat room that was yes, pretty active. Yes, it did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think we had a chat room. Oh, Natalie, interject your, your thoughts on that. Do, what do you remember about the chat room? <laughs> well, the chat room and what she said, that's how I found Stormy. I, I started my own, I, and I didn't even have a web page. I mean, I didn't have any, but I just sat at home and just wrote what I was thinking. I used to write scripts and then I, I did, you know, mature into at least stories at some point. But, um, I just, when I first got a computer, I sat down and that's what I started doing. And then I, I don't know, at some point, finally I got the internet in seventh grade. I got a new computer and got the internet with it. And I just was like, well, this is something that I like. And I searched to see if anybody else wrote Jewel Rider's stories and of course, you know, Starstone, Stormy Starstone came up and I was like, oh, I wrote that too, you know? <laughs> so this is really is a case of, you know, the same thing being independently thought of at the same time. Right, exactly. Yeah. And two different, completely different characters and looks and completely different Starstones. I mean, we yeah. have two different designs for sure, you know? Um, but yeah, so that, that evolved and then we enough people and she had her own website for a while with different fan fiction of, of not just jewel rider content but all the above and eventually the jewel riders section of it became so large with enough well large enough with a bunch of different other individuals that had their contributions that she said I, I remember her emailing me and she said I'm thinking of making a completely Jewel Rider-centric page and calling it Avalon. And I was like, do it. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, yes, I have no memory should. of that at all. That's I was going to say, Stormy, do you remember any of this? I wish, oh, my gosh. I wish I had. I, I, I remember my old email. Yes, I do. I mean, somewhere far and far between and beyond. I'm sure it's somewhere. But I, I remember it. And we were... It, the few of us that were, you know, main contributors, I guess, to to Stormy's site were like, yes, do it. So we we would and then she did and she did her own chat and everything. Everyone seemed to be mostly on the West Coast. I'm not sure if anybody else was on the Eastern Standard Time like I was. I was so, at the time. You were too? OK, yeah, cool. I'm from New Jersey. So, Okay, no, perfect. Not. So you would have been Did the same you? as me. So it was always later in the evening, and I remember my parents would yell at me because I'd be on the internet and it was <laughs> oh yeah dial up and then the modem right. and oh this is very cool. I can hear the sound. You gotta call your aunt Jane. Exactly. Yes, I gotta talk to my sister. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's nine o'clock at night, and I'm anyway. But oh, that yeah. dial-up tone. Oh, right. you know, everybody recognizes it, and now nobody, any, any of the millennials are like, "What is that?" And you're I like, know. "You didn't know." <laughs> so, you didn't know my suffering and pain. Right. <laughs> and whenever somebody would pick up the phone line, it would knock you off, and you're like, "Oh, there it goes." <laughs> Right. But uh, the struggle, the struggle is real. <laughs> but now, yeah, Lisa, the, uh, did you did you go into the chat room as well? I honestly. 
honestly don't remember. I think I did use chat rooms in general at that age, but I don't specifically remember whether or not I used the Jewel Riders one. I think for me, I don't remember the chat rooms. I, I remember it existing. I remember being too afraid. Well, I think that's to exactly go what it was. In. We we had oh. heard too many times like don't talk to strangers or whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. and, and yet we'll get back to a different story, but yet we send money to a stranger for a VHS tape. <laughs> so, <laughs> Named Stormy. Right. Exactly. Yes, that's exactly what it was. Okay, Stormy. So I think that we get a good idea of the founding of the website and the interactions and the goal of wanting to do it. Um, do you remember how long it was maintained? No, I don't. I I have distinct memories of when it stopped being maintained because my parents wanted to switch internet providers and the website was provided by our previous one. So I was like, no, you have to stay on it so my sites can stay up. Oh, and they're yeah. like, you have to move your sites, child. <laughs> and I never did. So what year was that then? I, I don't know. I don't know at all. Okay. Uh, um, probably in after 2000s. So, cause I, I was thinking it was at least four or three years. Senior. I believe I did find the Amazing Adventure site before I found Stormy's. And I remember even though there was no interactive content, they had a button to contact us. So I emailed <laughs> them a few times. My main complaint was that they had a character section with Guinevere and Fallon, but not Tamara. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. Hashtag Tamara <laughs> forever. Oh, poor Tamara. <laughs> so I, I emailed them about that quite a few times, and they always got back to me right away, which is kind of amazing because that would never happen today. But was it Amazing Adventures that was writing you, or who yeah. was it that was signing it? Uh, I don't know, someone, whoever the contact us button on the Amazing Adventures website goes to. So. I wonder if it was like Robert Mandel. I doubt it. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, since we were talking about, you know, just Avalon in general and, you know, Natalie, I, you had mentioned that you had gone searching and that's really that you found it through fan fiction. Yeah. Um, so, Lisa, then, how did you happen upon Avalon? Um, well, after I found the Amazing Adventure site, I don't know. Um, I don't think I used Google at the time. I had, like, AOL, and they had their own little search function. And uh, the Avalon site was always one of the top ones that come up when you search for jewel riders. And as soon as I discovered it, I was like, yes. You exactly hit the I need proverbial jackpot. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it was such a beautiful website. I remember it went through a couple of redesigns. Um, I, like, I think first the links were just text, and then she changed the links to be little images with text on um, other wild magic backgrounds that didn't clash with the main background of the site. Right. And I thought that was really cool when she did that. I think it's like white banners or something like that. Yeah. They're, um, they're, they're very pretty. I do remember they're image-based banners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I remember the first email I sent to Stormy was that I knew Song of the Rainbow existed because they, they always showed clips from that on the bumpers on all the official VHS tapes. But no matter how many times I tried to watch reruns of the show, I could never catch that episode. And I remember specifically writing every time I wish upon a star, it's to one day see Song of the Rainbow. Oh, 
that sweet. And she sent me a VHS of it, and it was, like, the best day ever, and I was so happy. And that was the first time that I was able to see that episode. Mm. Not due to lack of trying. Right. Yeah. Now, Stormy, actually, let me bounce back, because there was something that we mentioned that I didn't get. Um, since Song of the Rainbow was the first episode that you watched, though, but how did that influence you on favorite characters, you know, things like that? since it is a Tamara episode. Yeah, I did notice. It did make me like Tamara, and it also made me like Fallon, because Fallon gets a little short with Tamara while she's all enchanted and kind of, you know, yells at her a little bit. What are you doing being all enchanted? And so... (laughs) How dare you? Yes. That did impact me, you know, my image of Tamara, of, uh, of Fallon as the very tough girl. Um... And like I think a lot of us, I think Fallon is my favorite. <laughs> she definitely gets the best written episodes. Well, yes, I think she, she has the most heartfelt episodes. Right. There's there's room for that character to grow in ways that the rest of the characters are never afforded. I think one of the reasons why is that because, as you mentioned, she's the tough girl. You know, I think that a tomboy has so much opportunity for growth because of the fact that it's like, well, they're hiding something or they have a tough exterior because of. And let's dig deep down to find out. Meanwhile, you have a character like Guinevere that is just, you know, the the pretty princess, as you mentioned. You know, there's not too much roundness to that character. And I had made this observation to Chris a while ago because I was talking to someone else and they were talking about favorite characters. And so often I feel that side characters or, you know, the sidekicks, as it were, are more or less the favorite characters versus the main character, you know, and it's obviously reasons why, because, I mean, the main characters are usually so flawless or it's hard to identify with them. I almost feel like Tamara is more flawless than Guinevere, though. Yes, I do, too. I I agree with that for sure, because it seems like a lot of stuff suddenly becomes focused on Tamara, no matter what. <laughs> I mean, and I liked Tamara and loved the fact that she could talk to animals. That was my favorite thing, but, you know. <laughs> Did you ever feel like she was the damsel in distress? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. As she's dropped from above. Tamara! Yeah. I actually thought... That Princess Guinevere was my favorite character as a child until one day I had a sleepover with a friend, the same friend who I wrote into my fanfics, and I brought my Jill Ryder dolls and we were going to play dolls and I was going to be nice and let her play Princess Guinevere because she was the main character and I was going to play Tamara and I was like more excited about it than I should have been if Guinevere was really my favorite character. And then when she saw the Tamara doll with her pink hair and um, her, her overall design, she was like, oh, she looks so cool. Can I play her instead? And in that moment, I realized in my disappointment that Tamara was really my favorite character all along. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that story. That's my great. goodness. That's wonderful. <laughs> no, actually, Lisa, I never asked you. Um, your first introduction to the show, now you had mentioned that you, you know, it was hard to kind of catch it. So 
was it more or less the toys? I, I'm sorry if you had mentioned it, but was it the toys that introduced you or was it the show that introduced you? No, it was definitely the show. I didn't really know about the toys or at least I didn't notice the toys as much until I saw the show for the first time. But I think the first episode I saw was actually the final episode of the first season. I believe it was full circle because I remember seeing Jewel Riders uh, writing. Sorry, cut. Lisa, we're going to have to cut for a second. Um, there's a lot of feedback. Natalie, I don't know if that's you oh, or... it could be. It could be. Um, Noel, no, I have all bars. I don't know. I don't know. Lisa, can you try speaking again? Okay. And I did hear the feedback. Yeah, there you go. Okay, can now. you um, try going back up to where you were? I'm sorry. Just go ahead and talk about, about your first memories. Yeah. Um. So I believe the first episode I saw was actually the last episode of the first season because I remember seeing the Jewel Riders riding their unicorns through the clouds. And the only episode that that happened in was Full Circle. And then the little black clouds came and talked to them. Yes. And yeah. And so, of course, I didn't necessarily know what was going on, but I also came in right in the middle of the episode. And the second I saw these beautiful colorful pastel girls riding unicorns through the clouds i was like i don't know what this is but i need it in my life (laughs) Um, i need it and i was just instantly hooked after that i grabbed my tv guide and looked up what the name of the show was that on that channel at that time was and then I immediately looked into getting all the VHS tapes and the dolls and started researching it on the internet and just got sucked right in. That's such an awesome, you know, just happenstance. Now, did it ruin it for you that you came in on the last episode so you kind of saw the finale, like you saw what happened? I don't remember how much of it I watched the first time I saw it because it was the middle of an episode, so... It just gave me, like, this beautiful fantasy image, and I wanted more of it. And it wasn't until after I found out what it was that I really started watching it from the beginning. So I don't think it ruined anything. It just, like, showed me this world and what it was all about and made me want more. Um, Because as far as the story goes, when I think back, all I remember is, like, being told the story in chronological order because then I bought Jewel Quest and started watching it from there on VHS and just watching all the episodes in as close to chronological order as I could and the trading cards helped a lot too because they explain a lot of the story and if they're numbered so when you put them in order they tell you the the sequence of events the way that they're supposed to happen Mm -hmm. so I, I know that you said that originally Guinevere was going to be your favorite just because was it just because of the fact that she was the main character that that's why you just thought, oh, I should really like her or yes, was there something specific? Character and she was the princess and princesses okay. have always kind of been my thing. Right. <laughs> um, now, when you said that you went right out and started collecting the toys, do you remember like what store you might have gone to and did you find them all in the first round or did you gradually collect them or did you find all the VHS together? You know, those kind of, kind of memories. They actually sold the dolls at my local drugstore and I don't know why. And it was like a really tiny store in New Jersey with, with just like a few columns with like greeting cards and drugs. And then there was one little aisle that had toys and they always had at least some of the Jewel Rider toys in that aisle. 
And I remember they always had Drake, but I never wanted him because I thought he looked like a girl and he looked nothing like the character on the show. <laughs> um, but I think he's not some- the most well-executed <laughs> toy. No, <laughs> he's very. Yeah, easy. I think I got some of the jewel armor ones there. I might have gotten the deluxe ones there, or I might have gotten some of them from Toys R Us. But I know every time my mom needed to stop at the drugstore for something, I would always get really excited and run to the side of the store and just look at the. <laughs> Rider dolls the whole time she was there. Do you remember that, what was your first one that you got? Um, no, not really. I might have gotten two or three of them at the same time. Um, I had all the jewel. I mean, I had all the jewel armor ones, all the deluxe ones, and both unicorns pretty quickly. I just don't remember like what order I got them in or how far apart the time was before I had them all. I just remember having all three of the pretty dress ones and all three of the jewel armor ones and just playing with them all the time. And I was always combing their hair. Um, mm-hmm. And I would always get mad when I would put them on their stands and my dad would vacuum my dresser and knock them down. <laughs> <laughs> when you would sit them on the combs. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. Now... I know all of you are still creatives of various stripes and I kind of, I kind of wanted to know from each of you, what have you carried from jewel riders with you into your future creative works, either, you know, personally or professionally or how you still interact with fandom. I'm, I'm curious about how jewel riders has stayed with you. Let's start with uh, stormy. Well, I don't I don't know how much I've carried from Jewel Riders, but I certainly know that my current fandom endeavors are for exactly the same reasons as I did <laughs> with Jewel Riders, although maybe a little more noble because I'm not a child anymore. Um, my main uh, fandom activity right now is writing the longest Winx Club fan fiction known to man. Yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> you can see it. I'll send you a link. It's long. Yes. <laughs> I love Winx Club for precisely the same reasons I love Jewel Riders. You know, pretty colors, sparkly things, piles of world building, so much world building. And um, so it's it's the same thing. It's a different show, but it's the same thing. I don't know. I just couldn't get into Winx Club as much as Jewel Riders personally. I never tried. Oh, that's interesting. I really Winx loved was, Winx. Yeah, Winx was cool. I never really got cable, believe it or not. Oh, it was I loved it. So I never really got it, though. <laughs> but I felt like Joe Riders had so much of a richer world. That is true. I mean, Jewel Riders, yeah, something. It has more of something. <laughs> if you know, somebody... Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Um. I and I saw on the website on on your guys' website here lately went about the uh, Shira reboot. Mm-hmm. Oh, I I agree. If somebody could get a hold of Jewel Riders and that not necessarily modernize it in the way of you know technology or any of that, but modernize it in the way of bringing it more into the uh, 21st century. Mm. You know, because it was written during the 90s, so I guess it makes sense. Sure, all the innovations in storytelling that have happened. Yes, and just some of the, and just wording and the stories being able to be more complex, I guess, with Mm -hmm. um, 
because I guess that's what left me. And I remember um, Stormy and I had a conversation about this forever. I don't know if she remembers it, but we had a conversation about story building, especially with character, rather character building with the unicorns. I really was always left longing for the per- more for personalities with Sunstar and Moondance myself. But that's the reason why I, I got into the show in the first place was the unicorns. Just so, out of curiosity, have you gotten a chance to look at our unicorn comic as limited number as it is? I know. I loved it. I loved the um, Moondance called Sunstar Wings. I loved it. <laughs> So Very good. That was great. I said, I even said it. I probably said it out loud when I read it. I was like, this is perfect. That's exactly it. You know? Well, and that was some of our inspiration because we would love to see more fleshed out story of the unicorns and the animals. And that was really the purpose of Circle of Friends. Now, yes. we would love to have more dedication to creating this more frequently. Yes. Well, but you know. <laughs> well, understood. Understood. Yes. I, like I said, I'm the forever unfinished fanfic writer, so I can't <laughs> say anything. But uh, yes, to kind of have more of the personality of the unicorns, because... Suddenly in season two, we find out that Moondance is the unicorn princess. We never right. knew that. Never knew when that. did it was we just know convenient. that? <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, Val of the Unicorns was probably your favorite episode then. I loved that one. It was super was cheesy because I watched it. Actually, I watched it again, and then that's how I found um, Chris and Ronnie. It's because it was on YouTube. <laughs> just like yes. a couple months, not even a couple months ago. It was I know we, we got that email from you out of the blue and just about <laughs> fell out of our chair. Because right? I was like, I was looking and they were like, oh, yeah, and we have some fanfic on here from the old Avalon site. And I was like, wow, I remember that. And then suddenly <laughs> I saw something by morning and I was like, that's me. Right. What? <laughs> been, I, I literally I was sitting there drinking drinking a little glass of pink Moscato and I literally <laughs> did fall off the couch. I was like, <laughs> wow. What? That is amazing. So, and I, that's what I love about the fandom for Jewel Riders is that they, especially because it's been almost 25 years, that if you loved it so much that you've kept in contact and you've kept a love for it, that, you know, obviously that shows the genuineness of the fans and that that's the whole reason why the archive was founded. Yeah. I think it also shows the genuineness of the show mm-hmm. to remain so beloved, mm-hmm. even if by just a few of us. Right. But it's strong and mighty. And right. That's the difference, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> now since we had the topic of reboots, you know, for me, yes, we like to feature Shira, and that's also because we have, created a relationship with the he-man.org team and yeah. so you know okay when we attend PowerCon, it gives us a little bit of good information to post and to share you know because a lot of times when chris and i are brainstorming we're thinking okay what kind of content is it going to be that keeps the fandom engaged and a lot of it is just creating new stuff so if someone else yeah. is doing a reboot and a lot of times on social media it's oh jewel riders needs to be rebooted or we need to reboot jewel riders but a part of me is like yes that would be fun but i would almost prefer a reboot that as we mentioned focus more on the animals yeah. just because i feel like the characters themselves i already have fallen in love with them so i would rather instead of recreating the show i would rather it just be an addition to it what what are your thoughts on that who would you like to start with it, whoever i mean if you already have an opinion tell me i would now cuz i i always love just 
knowing the characters in general, whether they're good or bad. I I don't think I ever thought, but I thought about it. I thought about writing a a prequel with Kale and um, the Queen Anya, Queen Anya. Well, I would love to read that. Should you decide to write that? (laughs) Thinking, seeing what turned Kale so evil. Why did she? Why did they both come from a magical, good family? You know, related to King Arthur, who's like the good of the good. You know, and how did one turn out so good and one turned out so evil when they were so closely? I mean, even in age, I think it never really tells who, which, how what the difference is between two of them one's a younger sister and one's an older sister kale's actually isn't she the younger sister and she looks more i like thought she was sister? the older sister maybe she That's is maybe she doesn't is. get to be cool i can't remember i i can't remember that part right maybe on. they're like the same age i don't know it might yeah, be one of those right. things i thought she was angry because she felt entitled to the sunstone because she was older and anya yeah, got it even cool. though she was younger because she was okay. more qualified that but see all that stuff is, is yeah we, we've assumed it. We don't know. So now we're waiting for that to be created. So Yeah. So the, the prequel to it, because, um, you know, we never get to learn anything about really about Anya and uh, Jared. And we don't and we knew they were jewel writers back in the day, but we don't know how they, you know. How did they grow up? What kind of story did they have? What kind of trials and tribulations did they have? Because Merlin wasn't lost and the jewels weren't lost. You know, they didn't have to collect. So what what did they have to do that made them stand out? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's perfect points. Uh, Lisa, <laughs> do you have any thoughts about a reboot? Um, I mean, I think I would enjoy a reboot as long as they don't use too much CGI. So it really depends how they do it. I liked um, the Avalon Web of Magic books okay, but not as much as this cartoon series. Yeah, I definitely um, preferred the fantasy setting of the cartoon versus yeah, the more was, modern setting of the Avalon books. That was yeah. the biggest issue that I had with it when they, because so many fantasy shows, and I think this is what makes Jewel Riders stand out. So many other fantasy shows take place in the real world and have characters who travel to the fantasy world. So they try to combine the modern and the magic, and that takes some of the magic away as a result. And Jewel Riders never tried to be modern. It was just unapologetically whimsical and fairy tale and magic and fantasy. Um, and I don't know if a reboot would make me angry if they changed too much of that. Because a lot of times when people try to reboot stuff, they can never make it as good as the original, especially if you really love the original. Mm -hmm. There's always such a fine line to walk between being um, respectful of the source material and feeling like you're shackled by the source material. Yeah, but but if I could go back for a second to how Jewel Riders has inspired my Of course. Um, I think you guys actually noticed before I did that my latest novella, The Stolen Jewel, actually kind of parallels the world from Jewel Riders. Because I made a blog post about um, the overall world, and then you guys got really excited and shared it on the Jewel Riders archive, and then I was like, oh yeah, I guess that does kind of sound like the world of Jewel Riders. And I, I think 
for me growing up that was like my ideal fantasy world so every time I write something that takes place in a magical world the DNA of Avalon is embedded there somewhere Um, because even the Disney princess stories they still took place in fairly realistic medieval kingdoms with magical elements incorporated but Jewel Riders for me was just the ultimate world of magic where anything was possible Um, and the first show the first animated series I developed in high school, The Legacy of Hope and Love, that was very intentionally inspired by Jewel Riders because I loved the idea of having a quest where they needed to collect crown jewels because you knew that that was going to come to a concrete ending at the end of the season. So I wrote a show where these two characters um, wound up being sucked into this fantasy world and they needed to find these five crystal shards that were guarded by unicorns. And a lot of that was inspired by Jewel Riders, and some of it was inspired by my own ideas of what would make a great show. But Jewel Riders has always been there in the back of my mind when I try to create my ideal fantasy world to develop characters in. I love that, and I I really hope that someday you d- you develop out the legacy of hope and love for some novels or a novella series or. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, <laughs> oh, I'll have to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> Recently, completely rewrote the first episode of that as um a live action drama spec because the oh. Disney writing program which is really the ABC writing program, but they call it the Disney writing program because it's owned by ABC, was looking for either 30-minute comedy specs, or pilots, rather, not specs, um, or 60-minute dramas. And as an animation, it's not necessarily a comedy just because it's 30 minutes, and they also specified on their website that they weren't taking any animation. But I loved... The idea behind it so much and it's like one of my favorite things that I've ever written that I didn't want to just get rid of it so I just retooled the setting and the characters to take place in sort of a modern high school where they got transported into a magical world so that I could kind of trick them into thinking it was a modern drama when it was really intended as an animated series magical bait and switch yeah I love it And I think in the rewrite, I managed to incorporate a lot more character development because I have a lot more experience now with my writing than I did at the time that I was developing the legacy of hope and love. And I changed the name to Imperium. Because I like that. That's the name for the world. That's like my Avalon. Now, how short? Oh, go ahead. How about you, Natalie? Yeah. About me. The legacy. Yeah. The legacy. Oh, (laughs) well. And how um, it's helped you. Yes. Well, I've always been part of a team. I've always been in a team type setting. I'm very, I, I majored with music, so I've always been in some kind of musical group. So I guess it's always been, I, I've never really been a lone wolf in my way. So, and Jewel Riders was always a team as well. So I kind of just embraced the whole thing where everybody has their strengths and weaknesses and you figure out what works best for everybody and just, you know, play to have everybody be their well best self, I guess, is the best way to think of it. So does that make sense? Yeah. So friends <laughs> together, friends forever has a right. real strong meaning in your in it your does. own life. It does. It does. Um, I and 
I sadly I'm not working in a musical field per se right now. I work for a a credit union, but it allows me to explore the musical team. And you know, I I play music almost a couple nights a week with with two different bands as well. So it's always been part of having a friendship within your your team. You know, a couple people have treated it more like a, a business and we're more, you know, just business centric and it's easy to get rid of somebody. But I never I've never been able to be that way because if they're part of your team, they're part of your family and it's, you know, together. <laughs> and so um, I guess that's kind of the legacy it leaves for me because I don't really write so much anymore. Um write fanfic so much anymore i write music still but um it's all in the creativity and i always love being able to create new things if i could piggyback on the (laughs) you can horsey back back. on the idea of um girl power teams like teamwork and friendship I that was another thing that really stood out to me about Jewel Riders in the mid nineties because like I said earlier, I've always been obsessed with princess stories and I still am. And at that time, princess stories were always love stories and they rarely ever had friends outside of their animal friends. And Jewel Riders was the first show that I had seen where it was about a princess and the bond between her and her friends. And, like, there was a love interest, but, like, Drake was kind of a goofball and nobody took him very seriously. (laughs) Um, And I feel like that's something that made that show really special to me because the only other princess-related thing I had at the time were the Disney princesses. And they were all love stories, which was great. And I loved romance. But I didn't have any other princess story about friendship and I know Sailor Moon was out around the same time but I did not have cable so I couldn't watch it on Toonami and Jewel Riders wasn't on cable so that helped me a lot um to see it and I feel like just the friendship theme is really big and I haven't seen any other fantasy show that incorporated that to such an extent and that made it really special and unique for me you know and since you're mentioning those qualities about the show and about the fact that it wasn't on cable. Now, for me, I did grow up with cable, but around the time of 95, when Joris was out, we didn't have cable. And so that was really one of the reasons why, I mean, the reason why I was introduced, well, outside of just Chris telling me about it, but uh, the reason why we were able to watch it. And around that time, there were a lot of other magical girl series. I mean, not only was that the year that Sailor Moon had come, but as I mentioned before, there was another show called Tinko and the Guardians of the Magic. There was Sky Dancers. There were Dragonflies. It seemed like there was so many friendship-focused magic series. Um, you know, was there other shows or even of the names that I listed that you guys remember watching? Now, maybe you didn't have as much of Infinity for as Jewel Riders, but it's still something that you enjoyed. Were there other shows around that time period? Sky Dancers was another show that I watched, but I never was as interested in it as Jewel Riders. Um, I also found it harder to find on TV. The second yes, season, it, Jewel it bounced around quite a Sky bit. Sky Dancers 
Yeah, Sky Dancers never seem to be consistent, even in the first season. I don't even know if there was more than one season of Sky Dancers. I really don't know. There's 26 total episodes. Oh, there you go. Yeah, but is that only one season or is that two? I'm not sure if it was if it rates as one season <laughs> or two. Because I know it's the Jewel but... Riders two season, but yeah. Um, did you collect the toys or the VHS or the books or anything like that? I did have some Sky Dancer toys. I mean, they were really unique at the time because you pull the string and they actually fly, which was really cool. Yeah. So unique, they were recalled because children <laughs> right. launched As them safety. into each other's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Natalie or Lisa? I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> we redid Lisa. Natalie or Stormy? Do you have any other shows around that time period? Well, I started watching Sailor <laughs> <laughs> sorry, we're cutting out. Stormy, go someone... ahead and then Natalie. Oh, sorry. wonder if that's me. Stormy, Could've go ahead. Made. Okay, well, I started watching Sailor Moon at that time. I remember very clearly my brother turned on the TV one Saturday morning, and I saw my first ever transformation sequence, and my life was never the same. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was... <laughs> Sailor Moon was really big for me all the time that I was also into Jewel Riders, and it even still is. I also watched Tenko and the Guardians of the Magic, which I remember really liking. It only had 15 episodes, which is too bad. Oh, tell me more. You had a web page? You had a one-page web page for that, didn't you, Stormy? I did. I had a one-page web page. There just wasn't – there weren't official pictures, and – I didn't have enough inspiration for any fan fiction, and apparently nobody else did either. So, so I tried. Cute. I didn't get far. It's a very <laughs> but small Stormy, place. you did get me into shoujo anime. I didn't know what that was until you posted it on your Jewel Riders website. Uh, that's cool. So you were completely responsible for me learning about the existence of shoujo anime and becoming interested in it. Yeah, my first ever time I saw Revolutionary Girl Utena was because Stormy included <gasps> oh, it on a yes. web, on a tape. Well, yes, oh, exactly. Yes. You put it on our VHS when we bought it from you, and that's the whole reason why I watched it. Now, that's I never exactly really thought... exactly what happened to me. Right. And then I felt her, and I was like, I must have more. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes. Stormy, in a way, you are directly responsible for me spending over $100 on Blu-rays of Utina. Oh, no. <laughs> I got the regular DVD, so I bought it before Blu-ray existed. I but I think it. I did spend about $100 on them. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie, great. did you have other shows that you watched that were around the same time period? I had a couple different ones. Is my signal better? Because yes, yeah. I, okay, I think uh, I'm going through somewhere in Virginia right now, so you know, <laughs> it's a little spotty. Um, I similar to Stormy, I I watched Tenko as well, all all the epi- or as many as I could find. Now that was on at like 5:30 in the morning on Sunday morning, so I definitely set my VCR to record those. Oh, yeah, nobody's going to wake up then. No. <laughs> no, I, I think I woke up. I don't even know how I found it, but anyway, it's beside the point. I woke, woke up early one morning. But um, Tenko was very – it was cool, too, and they had dolls. I, I don't think I ever had the dolls of Tenko, but she had a horse that had magical wings. Pearl Rider was its name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Ninjara was the magical leopard, snow leopard. So she was cool. So, I used that toy a lot with the jewel riders. <laughs> because it was Drake's yes. animal, since they didn't exactly. produce the animal. 
Dude, they never made Thunder and any of the wolves never made it to the toy line, I guess. I saw the prototype stuff and I thought that would have kind of been cool to have a a wolf with the unicorns, you know, and and to get back on other stuff and develop maybe a a romantic interest between the animals, you know, and have have that kind of, you know, have the whole romance in the show be more with the animals than like Sunstar and Thunder. Yeah, or something like that, you know. I I kind of later that I never finished it, but later on in in Jewel Riders Two, Sunstar and my my creation Nightstar are the ones that had the two twin unicorns that became the unicorn friends of the of two of the second generation of Jewel Riders, but that never made it to the story because it never ended, you know. No. And actually, <laughs> but, speaking yeah, of anyway. that, just really yeah. quick. Um, yeah. For anyone who's created fan fiction and it's left undone on the archive, I don't know if you have an interest. It could even be a short ending, but I feel like some of these need endings and finales. <laughs> I'll work on that when I can. <laughs> I don't know. I think that ship might have sailed. Or, I know. Uh, or, <laughs> if anybody takes the interest in wanting to finish them for me, go yeah. right ahead. I would love to see how you want to take the story. Right. I would love that. So, I mean, or if somebody wants to take that and run with it in a different direction, please do. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I have consider my full myself, permission. <laughs> I consider myself obsessive compulsive when it comes to finishing everything I start. And everyone in my screenwriting class would always make jokes about how I was always the first person to submit stuff. So I don't think I would have anything unfinished, but I don't remember half the stuff I wrote. So I got to finish that up. Well, Chris is archiving so much that it's, I mean, personally, I haven't read through all the fan fiction, so I really don't know which ones. I'm, I'm always shocked by the amount of fan fiction that was tucked away on Avalon. It's, (laughs) it's a pleasant surprise that it's far more than what was ever on fanfiction.net or the archive of our own, which was some really current fan fiction, um, catalogs and you know it's like it just drives home to me how much community there was in those early years that people would bounce things off of each other and create their own fan fiction and really and fan fiction is always created from the desire to share in a greater portion of that universe and share it with people who love it as much as you do Yes. So, so that actually reminds me that I first reconnected with you, Chris, because I found your Tamara fanfiction on fanfiction.net, <laughs> and I, I hadn't spoken to you in years, and I think I sent you a message saying this was absolutely amazing because Joel oh, Riders was my you. favorite show. So when I joined the website, I was looking to see if they had any Joel Riders fanfics, and I found yours, and it was so in-depth and like just so well thought out. And then you were like, oh, I remember you from the Avalon website. And I was like, you do? <laughs> and then that was, I think, how you reconnected with me to tell me about the Joe Riders archive. Yeah, and then we became friends on Live Journal. And that was after Live Journal, though. Oh, so was it? After, yeah, that was after I got rid of Live Journal. Oh. I think we were friends on Live Journal. Yes. Before, but I yes. wasn't with you on Facebook, I think. And then we became friends on Facebook after that. Or yeah. Something. 
So now, Lisa, I'm going to have to pick your brain because we've talked a lot about Avalon, but I want to go over then the next step. So after Stormy's internet provider changed and she no longer was able to update it, um, is that when you decided to create your own little fandom or what was the story behind that? You know, I don't even remember the specific reason that I created um, a live journal group for Jewel Riders besides that I loved it. Um, I I think I made it after the Disney Princess group that I created on live journals, but I'm not sure. But I know um, I created the group D underscore princesses, and I had a much larger following than I was expecting to get with the live journal audience. And so I was so impressed with that that I think what happened was I thought to myself, gee, if I can find this many Disney Princess fans just by creating a group, I wonder how many Jewel Riders fans I can find. So then I tried creating the Jewel Power group, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and quite a few people joined that. So Now, just number-wise, and, and Stormy, this is directed to you too, do you happen to remember, if you had counters, how many people would watch it or look at it or interact or was it kind of just a core group of like a certain amount of people or do you remember anything like hey i hit like 10,000 views or something like that i don't think any of us has ever hit 10,000 views on anything <laughs> <laughs> no i i don't remember anything like that i remember the people who came to the chat you know were maybe 10, maybe half a dozen who came to the chat regularly. But how many people came across the site, I could not tell you at all. I think it's so it's so hard because in the early wild days of the internet, nobody <laughs> really kept track of metrics the same way that we look at them today. You know, nobody is Nobody's telling you your page views unless you specifically put a counter on there that may or may not have reset itself. And it's so amazing. Who has that anymore? You know, so it's, you know, you, you tend to remember just very strongly a few people banded together, I think, in common love for something that that brings them together. Yep. Yeah. That makes sense. Now, you know, we talked a little bit about the Friends Together, Friends Forever mantra. um, But is that something as far as like the love for the Jewel Riders? Obviously, it's continued and obviously you guys still love the property. But uh, like, what does it look like for you as far as like toys and merchandise and collecting? Like, do you guys have all the toys that you already have, or are you guys still trying to search for things? Did you get rid of it? Did you sell it? Like, what what did it look like? Like, did you just always just keep your toys? Um, I did for sure. Mine are still all at my mom and dad's in a box. Oh, <laughs> so, no yeah, interest and I in just visited again. them when I was up there. So I was like, I was looking through and I thought, and that's why I said, I still have, I have every, I, I have all of them. All right. The whole thing. But so, I think that another aspect is also sometimes as collectors, we want to buy them sealed. Or do you feel like you rather would have the open ones that you loved? I gotcha. Um, at this point, I don't need any. I don't need anything else to take up any space. So <laughs> I'm okay yeah. having the ones that I had. And I, I opened mine. I was at the point where I think I was in 
middle school, early teenage, kind of like Stormy. So I didn't really play. I didn't have like the, you know, it didn't really use them to play. I had them to have, but I did open them, I admit. <laughs> so um, I don't know if that... <laughs> No, that's fine. I mean, if you already have all the toys that you want, then you already have your collection. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. I Stormy. still have right, the. Please. Sorry, I still have the ones with the jewel armor and the unicorn. But sadly, right after I moved to California, um, I gave away a lot of dolls that I felt were taking up too much space because I realized that I was moving around a lot and I had a lot of things that I always needed to pack and I didn't always have a place to put them. And so some of those dolls were the three deluxe dolls and the dresses. And the reasons I chose to give those away instead of the jewel armor ones is because those dresses always get torn Mm -hmm. by the plastic pieces that you uh, snap on for their bodices. So I felt like the jewel armor ones were in better shape because they didn't have torn fabric. And then uh, maybe a a couple of years after I gave away the deluxe dolls with the dresses, you started the Drawer Writers Archive, and then I wished I still had my deluxe dolls. But I felt... I kind of felt like they were falling apart because the fabrics were all torn on their dresses and the the plastic got bent for their bodices. So I still know why I gave them away. And I'm glad I at least kept the ones with the armor. But I go back and forth between wishing I had kept those two and feeling comfortable with having given them away because my doll shelf that I store them on and display them on is really full right now. And I don't think I can fit a single other thing on it. (laughs) We want pictures. I I don't know if you've seen them. Okay, so you're not actively trying to fulfill your collection again then. I did randomly order a Drake on eBay because I felt like I have all three girls, but I've never had a Drake doll because I thought he was too ugly as a kid. So I now have this Drake hatred makes me so sad. (laughs) Well, I now do have a random Drake in the back of my shelf. And the ironic thing is, I think I ordered him after I gave away the dolls and the dresses just because I had one of each jewel rider and I wanted to have another character from the show. Right. And, and Stormy? I still have all of my dolls that I ever had and the cards. And I have one moon dance who came from a thrift store. And so she's now a horse because apparently the horns were not very well attached. Aww. Yeah, that clear plastic has a little bit of stability issues yeah. over time. Lots of broken I, I will, legs. I will never give away my trading cards since uh, you mentioned that. I love right. those cards. You know, it's yeah. funny about Moondance, Stormy, that you mentioned that because, as you saw in that recent eBay unboxing video, the two horses that I have now, Sunstar and Moondance, the horns are inside. So I don't think that they just fell in. Someone pushed them in. So wait, they're oh indented? God. No, they're like inside the horse because the horse is hollow. Oh, what? So like if you jiggle them around, I could get them all the way down to like where the opening is for the horn, but they're inside. So either someone really wanted them as horses and not unicorns, but I can't imagine that that some child was that rough on them that both of them just ironically, their horns got pushed inside the toy. 
very unmagical children. Oh, he does. Oh, Peta. <laughs> right? Oh, Peta. Oh. It's a travesty. Right. Well, I just have to go and get my moon dance and shake her and see if she has a horn rattling around inside. <laughs> you never know. You might find it inside. Right? But, you know, so, speaking of the horses, for me, those were always the hardest to find. Did you guys have a toy that was maybe hard to find that you were trying to complete your collection of jewel writers that you just couldn't find anywhere or you never found, or you finally found, or do you have a story attached to that? I, I never found Sunbeam Guinevere. <gasps> That's the hard, that was the hardest one to find. That was the <laughs> one too. I always saw her on that card that came with all the dolls, but I never saw her in any toy section of any store. No. Yes, Can I tell you where I found mine? My stores. I think um, I only saw uh, dolls, which is why I never bought Sunstar or Moondance back in the day. <gasps> Those were the first ones I bought. I found I found Sunstar and Moondance first, somehow. They were at Odd Lots. I only sure. remember seeing the unicorns at JCPenney, of all places. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, N- Natalie, did you... Yep. Did you have any of the toys then that, that you were looking for? Like, I mean, Lisa's already mentioned Sun Power Guinevere, and then Stormy, yeah. you mentioned the unicorns. Yeah. No, I, well, luckily I found, I, I found all mine all in piecemeal places. Um, I found the two and I bought them at the same time because there weren't very many of them. And I had my mom and dad help me. I, I think I had enough money to buy one and they bought the other for me. But anyway, um, so I bought the two unicorns first and had them. And my Sunstar's um, wings, you know how they they have the, like three different clips. Sna- yes, little snaps. Well, my poor Sunstar's wings, and I didn't even play with them much, but the snaps kind of messed up. So she's constantly oh, either got them all the way up or all the way down. There's right. no in between. <laughs> right. Lisa, That's did that happen true. to you too? Yes. Um, okay. I, yes. <laughs> I always displayed her with her wings spread out, like yes. she was in flight. And then one day, one of the wings just fell down and I couldn't put it back up and it drove me crazy and so I found a little tiny piece of plastic that I sort of wedged in the spot where the wings are supposed to snap and that fixed it for a while and because of that and because I was so proud that I was able to do that my parents said maybe I should be a toy fixer when I grew up (laughs) that that was my life stream for like maybe a month Specifically because <laughs> specifically because I fixed Sunstar's wing, but then after a while, even that little plastic piece started to give out, and now that one wing won't go up or down anymore. I wonder if the wings are too heavy, or if it's just plastic, because as you I, mentioned, the plastic accessory pieces were one of the first things to break. And yeah. you know, there's still a lot of episodes that we have yet to release, but like Chris and I talk about the armbands on Tamara, jewel power Tamara, those would break. You know, the um the little attachments on like how you said, like the corset attachments, those would break. They would snap. I feel like the plastic just didn't hold up because the wings for Sunstar was one of the first things to break on mine as well. And same thing, it wouldn't sit in the middle position. It was either up or down. And I never wanted it down. I always wanted it right, up. So. Exactly. Yes. Yes. I think the plastic was very, it was very, it was soft plastic that they used for that, for that mold. It was very malleable. And it's like, why it it seemed like, uh, well, there, there are probably other better ways they could have executed it, but that's how they did. 
I think that's why it just wore out. Because if you're snapping it from the bottom all the way up, it's constantly going through that middle position and damaging that, I guess. Does that make sense? Perhaps. I think I, that's the conversation we're going to have to have with the, with the toy creator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. We I need that word. Like- the plastic bodices on the deluxe dolls would have been less likely to get bent if they didn't go around the back as much as they did. Yeah. Because, like, the opening where you, you snap the doll inside was so small that the doll was really likely to push the two back flaps inward and make them bent, which was what happened to mine. And if it sort of just went maybe, like, just ended at their hips like before it reached their back it might have not snapped like that it might have not gotten as bent that makes sense too i think they probably just wouldn't have clipped in as securely though so that's that's the only thing with that but but it would it but it would have lasted all these years right true but you know they'd still be intact (laughs) well they would still be intact if they were in the boxes and you hadn't played with them but you know (laughs) you know and it's funny because we keep something that keeps coming up about the toys is the fact that you're like oh well i looked in for them and i found them at a drugstore i saw them at jc penny or some random you know clothing store and I do wonder if that wasn't one of the reasons, along with the fact that it was hard to find the show, of why it maybe not not have been as successful. But yet also, I mean, if you have the toys in every place, like you have it in drugstores, you have it in clothing stores, you have it in big, big box stores, you would have thought, though, that it was more prominent and children were buying them more as well. So I guess yeah. it's kind of, you know, both reasonings for yeah. success and failure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I... Uh, the Sun Power Guinevere was the last one that I that I needed I needed for my collection and I found and it was while I was on a family trip down in Myrtle Beach at a Woolworth of all places mm-hmm. down there. Ooh, you know, Woolworth Lord right. Right? <laughs> um, so that was where a fa- you know so it was very it, it was it was like they were kind of hidden in different corners of the world, you know? It's Rather like odd. the crown jewels themselves. Yes, you know, I was exactly. almost going to just say that. It's the fact that it was almost like it was a jewel quest, to, a quest after these dolls. <laughs> to find them. Exactly. Well, similarly, like, I mean, I had to go to all places to try to find the different toys. Like, I remember I couldn't find Sunstar and Jewel Power Guinevere, and I found them both in the same store in a Walmart when we were in yeah. New Mexico. We were on yeah. a family trip, and I remember finding them both, and I just thought, oh, my gosh, like, here they are. They're just sitting here, and yet I thought that it was so hard to find, you know, and obviously this is before the days of, like, e-stores and going to Amazon and, like, just being able to buy them online. Like, how oh, much yeah. easier would that have been, you know? <laughs> I, remember, I remember being really shocked when my local dollar store started selling those Jewel Rider hair accessories one day because yeah. I didn't think of Jewel Riders as, like, a dollar store franchise. No, right. <laughs> all of a sudden, I saw these jewel riders like wow. uh, hair ba- headbands and, and barrettes popping up in the dollar store, and I was like, "Hey, the dollar store is featuring jewel riders now. What is this?" Yes, but little Lisa didn't understand that they just weren't selling, and that's why they were being sent there. <laughs> It's all in perspective. Right? Exactly. Yeah, right. You see it as, oh, wow, this is really accessible to everyone. Even yeah. I, child can buy this. Yeah. Yes, the question is, did you buy the whole entire lot of it? 
Right. Yeah, I bought. I think I bought most of the hair accessories that I saw because I love Jewel Rider so much. I'd buy anything with it. Right. And here, yeah. years later, I've paid a lot of money for those hair accessories <laughs> on eBay. Right. You're like, oh, if they were only at my local dollar store now. <laughs> my DeLorean and go back to 1998. You know what? I, honestly, though, now that you bring that up, I cannot tell you how many times I've even had dreams about this. Like, I'll go back in time and I'll be at this, like, store in the middle of whatever decade or century it is. And I'll be like, oh, I'm just going to buy all these toys. And I walk out of the store like armfuls of like 95 Barbies and jewel riders and things like this. Like, that I would keep, be an ideal thing. I also keep randomly having dreams about finding jewel riders merchandise in stores and like being surprised about it. And I blame you because <laughs> I think it's because I, I keep seeing stuff pop up on the jewel riders archive and it enters my subconscious. And when I go to <laughs> myself, I'm subliminal messaging. <laughs> Oh my gosh. You know, and, and speaking of, I do want to um, end our conversation with the legacy and with the next step. So talking about the archive, um, you know, how, what was your first experiences with it? How did you find it? And I know Natalie, it's more of a recent thing for you, but you know, other like Stormy and Lisa, you've been there since the beginning. Um, Let me go ahead and start with Stormy. You've been quiet over there. So, you know, Tell me about your feelings when, you know, when you first had seen the archive and and all that fun stuff. I think it's really great. It, uh, for me, it makes me feel like this thing I did back when I was a teenager is like still meaningful and people are still into it. And it's just wonderful because... You know, being a person who's into cartoons and, you know, shiny unicorns and things, you don't get a whole lot of validation at certain ages. (laughs) (laughs) I just still be the queen of the kingdom around here. Yeah. (laughs) Being able to be part of the archive and being friends with all of you, even though we don't really talk like a whole lot on the Internet, I still feel like we're friends and I still feel like we're all, you know, building something together, which is kind of what it's all about. Yeah. And it's just wonderful. <laughs> friends well, together, that's exactly friends as the show forever. says. That's right. We're friends together, friends forever. Exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's like I think we both feel very blessed to have the three of you now as kind of our circle of friends that you know you know ten year old Ah you said it. You said it. Sorry. <laughs> ten year old Chris would have been would have like you know, the first time I met you, Stormy, I became 10 years old again. <laughs> and it was, I mean, it really was the feeling of meeting somebody that you've known of for so long and you've idolized and Aww. having a chance to actually meet that person and become friends with them is like such a gift. That's so sweet. And I'll echo that sentiment as well, because <laughs> my memories of Stormy and going on to the Avalon website was this person who was so successful that they were able to create a website and they were a website mistress and, and this and that. And, you know, like how I mentioned the way that we got our final episodes for the series was by contacting you. And it was so of a weird idea that, oh, I'm going to be talking to this random person on the other side of the country, and now I'm going to be sending them money for them to send me a VHS. But 
just like how you provided Lisa Song of the Rainbow, you provided us the final three episodes for us to finally conclude the series. And although it wasn't during the initial syndication, I mean, this was probably like 98, 99. So it was four years after the fact, but it was finally you gave us an end. It, the show literally came full circle. Like it was like, okay, you know, now I know how it ends. And, and as Merlin says, you know, let us begin again. And okay, now I have finality to it and I'm good and I'm happy that it ended. And when Chris and I met you for the first time, it was such a surreal experience just to be able to finally meet someone that you had idolized or that you even based your entire website on, you know, their successful website and and to meet them. Such a crazy experience. When I met you two, I felt like we had been friends for years. It was <laughs> usually just meet people and randomly, oh, these are people I can talk to about anything. And I just really like hanging out with you guys. And I would also, about the VHSs, I think we may all have been involved in those tapes because yeah. I know about some of the episodes from Lisa and Natalie drew the box art. Did you get? Did I send I you the tape with the I don't think that we got art. No, I don't think that we got art. Oh, you have forgotten about that. Oh, Yay, memories. <laughs> so, Do you remember what episodes I sent you? Because I don't fine. even remember that myself. It was um, it was the fortune teller. It was the spirit of Avalon, and it was the one jewel that I that I recorded for Stormy. Or oh, did you record those for her? or Did well, they come from a different? She said store? I sent her some. No, she's talking about some of the other episodes. I think. Yeah, I did. For for people who wanted the whole series, there was a season one tape and a season two tape, and they had box art that Natalie had done that I would print out glue on to the VHS cover. <laughs> and I should still have them. You have them now, probably. And if you don't, I will look in my files and send them to you. you. Need to but find yes, them. Yeah, because we don't have them. I've never seen Please that. We do not have them. I forget. Oh, Lord. <laughs> but Stormy, I know we've asked you before about those final three episodes and you can't remember where you got them. <laughs> so I wish I don't know Stormy broke into the radio state I mean the TV station and stole the master copies I don't know I, I can't recall if I saw the final episodes of the show on TV either before Stormy sent me the VHS tape of them that might have been the first time I saw them too right I, well, I, I sent them to oh, me I don't know who it was because I? I know that at least here in the states after Mystery Island it just went off the air there was no yeah. explanation. And then on the Canadian copies that we have from my dad, who was in Toronto at the time, um, and this was broadcast, I think, in 98. So they were a little bit behind. But at the end of it, at least, it does announce, like, sorry, our run of Princess Guinevere in the Drawers is over. And that's at Mystery Island. So I felt like in North America, it just ended. But yet the copies that Stormy has provided us are Guinevere. They're not Starla. So I... Yeah. I have no idea where you got them from, but Stormy, we are just blessed that you have them. Did I send those to you? I Natalie, think how did you get them? Those, but I, I don't know. I them off TV. Did they you? Yeah. It ended all the way. I watched it. Yeah, I, I recorded it all the way to the last. The one, was it the one jewel was the yeah. last one? Okay, now, uh, Natalie, we, you got to tell us more about this. So well, in the East Coast, <laughs> it went all the way to the end? I believe so, because I recorded them all off TV. Yes. 
That's so weird. I, Why would it just end syndication on the West Coast and continue on the East Coast? I have no idea. Well, you know, no. syndicate when something is syndicated, it's sold directly to the broadcaster. Um, so it could just be our specific broadcaster that it was sold to, and maybe maybe the one on maybe some of them on the East Coast had a full run. Well, at least for those of you who are listening. Um, I can talk about California. It was originally released on the WB, and that was released, I think it was on like 8 o'clock on Sunday mornings. Oh, see, I thought it was Fox. No. And then I believe what happened after that, it remained on WB through the initial syndication. And then after that, Fox began to air it, and that was at like 5.30 in the morning or something like that. Um, Maybe towards the end it was on Fox, but I'm pretty sure it remained on the WB. But now, anyway. did you guys have a channel on the West Coast in the 90s called UPN? Yes. Because yes. I remember that was what channel it aired on for me. I think that was the same thing for us. The KPWB 31. I think oh. that's what it was here in the Central Valley of California. Well, there was WB and then there was UPN. They were two different channels. But then one year they combined to form the CW. And now it's all one channel. This was before the the CW. Well, because I have original syndication, and again, this is something that could definitely make another conversation, but on my original TV station edit, I mean copies, it has the WB logo, and and like I said, I have the station call it um, KPWB31 here in Stockton and Lodi, so... I know it was the WB, it wasn't the CW yet, but I remember... The CW didn't exist yet. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I remember watching Star Trek on UPN. <laughs> well, okay, another conversation. So basically on the East Coast for Natalie, it went all the way through. And maybe that's where Stormy maybe got the Maybe that's the, the final piece of that puzzle. It's very possible, because I, like I said, I remember recording, because I, you know, I, I think I was going to, whenever it was, it was getting up way too early. <laughs> right. Okay, so... Now, let's bounce over. Uh, Natalie, if you can let us know about the archive. I know it's something newer and you're still discovering it, but what are your feelings about the legacy and, and the fact that something is still around? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love it. I love it. I mean, it's, you know, one of those childhood shows. I'm cutting, you're cutting out. Um, let's jump over to... I have two bars. Can oh, you hear me barely? No. Still a there. little bit. You're still a little spotty. Um, it's where I am. <laughs> let's let's jump over to Lisa then. Lisa, if you can take over the question regarding the archive. Was just, um, Chris told me about it because um, it was shortly after I discovered his Jewel Riders fan fiction on fanfiction.net and then I reconnected with him on Facebook um, mm-hmm. and then he messaged me one day and he's like, hey, I'm getting together with another Jewel Riders fan and we're creating this massive project called the Jewel Riders Archive and we're so excited yes. to tell you about it. And I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> we're I proselytizing for Jewel Riders. <laughs> 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 Have you heard the good news of Princess Guinevere? <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Put, put inserts in everybody's door, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go and knock on doors. <laughs> Hello, have you heard about Princess Guinevere? And have you, are you ready to the good give news about heart? the Jewel Riders religion? Here we are. <laughs> Based on friendship and love. There you go. Okay, Natalie, now that we got you, let's jump back yes. over to you about the archive. 
yes, my signal's a little bit better now, but, um, yeah, no, um, I, I found it. I told you I found it by accident because there was one night after we'd come home from work and just decided we were going to watch nostalgic old TV shows. And I said, all right, this is one I used to love and was very, very much involved with. And, um, then on YouTube, I saw where it it said it was posted July 10th of 2019, and it said Chris and Ronnie in the Jewel Riders archive, and I thought, what is this? And <laughs> <laughs> why are these crazy people, and why are they still doing something? So exactly, I thought, Jewel Riders archive, I've never heard of this, I need to check it out, and sure enough, I, I watched your um, update from one of the last updates, and... I even admittedly spent a little time, um, I think it was at lunch at work, but it may have been at work, <laughs> looking at the Jewel Riders Bible. Day. Yes, yeah, sometime during the day. So anyway, I've, yeah, I've definitely tried to look over in bits and pieces of everything that you have, and it looks wonderful. You guys have def- definitely done a great job with it. Thank you, Thank <laughs> You're you so much. You know, <laughs> You're welcome. Again, you know, the memories that we are talking about, so many of them are centered around friendship when it really comes down to it. Because if it wasn't for the friendship that we had built online, many of these live journals, Avalon website, the Jorars Archive, they wouldn't be in existence. Right. And it's because of that that we've been able to utilize fan fiction and fan art from so many years ago and it's still an evergreen content like people can still come to it and enjoy it and relive the magic yeah and people can still in you know there are new can draw new fans out of that that can submit new things that they want to you know yeah we always love to see somebody new whether it's on instagram or facebook or any one of the newer platforms you know come up and be like hey i remember jewel writers here's a piece of art that i made from my memories and right. it's it's so it's so it so warms my heart to see those pieces and those stories come out yeah <laughs> right Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We've loved hearing about your memories. And thank you so much for um, giving us like two hours of your time because <laughs> we've been recording for two hours now. Wow. Well, it's a little bit more us. than that yeah. because that was the second call. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I can't thank you guys enough for, for going in for this and sharing your memories and sharing your stories and, you know, just sharing with us and with the fandom at large why jewel writers is so special and why it means so much to each of us still yeah most definitely so thank you guys so much for listening um if you ever want to see more visit us at jewelwritersarchive.com you can find more about our guests stormy lisa and natalie on our website and you can also find links to their works uh both fan fiction and published fiction and music and we really hope that you enjoyed this look back and and talking about so many wonderful memories of Jewel Riders and the early fandom. And again, it really is such a wonderful legacy of dedication and love for the Jewel Riders property. So as we always say, friends, friends together, friends, friends forever. forever. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 <laughs>
anyone out there listening? No. Oh, well, now that I've got some peace and quiet, I can go to work.